All right, let's look in the book of Psalms tonight. The book of Psalms. And I want you to take a look at Psalm 32. <clears throat> Psalm 32, and then I want you to get Proverbs chapter 26 in the other hand and just mark your place there. We'll be there in a little while at some point before the night's over. But Proverbs chapter 26, it might be... 20 or 30 minutes, but we'll get there. 20, uh, Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26. Everybody was making fun of me last night. We've been trying to go through. Uh, we started Bible school again, which we won't have Bible school this coming Tuesday, but we started Bible school again. And uh, so we've been trying. I, I was a little bit behind because I'm trying to go through 1 Timothy, and I'm a little bit behind. I had intended my goal was to be through uh, chapter 3 by the close of last semester, which was... November, I believe, if I got my dates right, and uh, I didn't make it because I was a little long-winded. But it's not my fault because there's so much in 1 Timothy. Paul just shouldn't have put it all in there. Well, the Holy Spirit shouldn't have put it all in there. And, of course, you know, I, I'm kidding when I say that. The Lord's got every right to put all that stuff in there. But when you start reading and start chewing on that stuff, there's a lot to be said, and it's wonderful. And I praise the Lord that all that information is so densely packed in there. And then last night we got a whole, I think, three verses. So you're in trouble tonight. I got about 60 verses that I need to look at. So it's going to be a long time. That's all, that's all there is to it. So I hope you brought your lunch. Uh, you, you, you messed up is all I got to say. Uh, you should have said amen right there. That was your chance to say, praise the Lord. And I'd have knew that nothing was wrong. But now I know that three quarters of you is backslid. And so I'm going to add an extra 15 minutes to the sermon. At least that's what Brother Mike used to do. And it worked. So I might as well just do it too. You say, Brother Nathan, what do you mean when you say it worked? Well, I mean it made people mad. So, And I figure if you ain't making people mad, you're really not preaching. Yeah. That's just the way that I, I feel about it. I don't enjoy that. I'm, I'm a people pleaser. I really like to make people happy. I really do. Uh, most of the time. But anyways, Psalm 32. Let's get on with this here this evening. Psalm 32. And... Uh, I tell you what, I'll, well, no, I won't. I won't do you no favors. Let's start back at verse 7. Uh, verse 6. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Boy, that was a shot off the hip, boy, and that was a wonderful verse to start at. You better start talking to God today. You better not wait until he's done dealing with you. You better, you say, Brother Nathan, you believe a Christian can get to the place where God will get done dealing with them? I believe a Christian can get to a point of no return as far as to where you get so far to where you can't hear the voice of God. You'll still be his child. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe in the eternal security of the believer, not just because I'm a Baptist, but because it's a Bible doctrine. It's a New Testament doctrine. I, I have no trouble with that. But, man, folks' hearts get hard. Folks' hearts get real hard, and we've been talking about that in a little bit in Sunday school. And to be honest with you, I think some folks' hearts is hard right in here. I, I really believe that. We're going to try and talk a little bit about that this evening, uh, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. But you better talk to him today. You better talk to the Lord today. Yeah. Call upon him while he's near. Seek him while he may be found. You need to do it today. Today's the day of salvation. He said, Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. 
Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. That's my text verse right there, verse 9. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Have I already prayed? I haven't. Okay. I thought I was maybe losing my mind. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we do thank you, God, Lord, this evening, Lord, for your goodness, Lord, letting us be here tonight. And uh, Lord God, we do pray, Lord, I, I pray, God, Lord, there's a lot to be said, Lord. There's a lot on my heart and mind. And I pray you help me, God, to just say it all, Lord, as best as I can. I pray that you'd lead me and guide me, Lord. I believe this is something that you want these, your people, to hear. God, the folks that are here tonight, I believe you want them to hear it. And God, help me to say it as clearly as I can. But, Lord God, to say it, Lord, the way that you want it said. And, Lord, I pray, God, that you just direct our hearts. God, help us, Lord, to have tender hearts towards you. Help us to be willing to be dealt with by you. And, God, we'll thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us here this evening. God, we'll be sure to give you the honor and glory. Lord, it belongs to you anyway. God, Lord, we'd be thieves and we'd be robbers if we took it for ourselves. God, forgive us, Lord. I pray that you'd forgive me of anything, Lord, that might hinder me, God, from being able to preach the way that you want me to preach tonight. And God, whatever way that is, I don't care. Lord, I just want to do what you want me to do. And I pray that you'd help us with that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. How many of you have ever taken a psychology class in college? Let me see your hand. Probably just a couple of folks. Okay, I have two. I took a psychology class. It was probably, honestly, I didn't take many classes in college. I went to uh, community college for about two semesters, and the only class that I really enjoyed was my psychology class. Brother Nathan, those psychologists are weird. Yeah, but it wasn't a psychologist teaching it. It was a Methodist minister. And you talk about something that was really fun. The guy's name was Michael Shockey. You think Brother Tommy's skinny. You should have seen this guy. This guy was like stream bean, man. He could have stood sideways and stuck his tongue out, and you'd have thought he was a zipper. The guy was just skinny as skinny could be. And, uh, but he was a really neat guy. Uh, good teachers are usually the guys that are interested in what they're teaching about. Yeah. That's usually the way that it works. When guys are in it just to, you know, punch a clock and get a check, those are never the teachers that you want to get. When you find a good teacher, I recommend learning everything from them that you can. If you're in college, if you do go to college and you sign up for a class and find a really good teacher, take every class the guy teaches. You say, why, why would you do that? I mean, good teachers are hard to find. But anyways, this guy was teaching this class, and this guy taught us about Pavlov, I believe was the guy's name. Do you know anything about that, Miss Kelly? Old Pavlov? Old Pavlov was a doctor, and I, I, probably, I probably get all the details, so I'm not going to give you a whole lot of details about it. But this guy did an experiment with an old dog, and he did something that most of you swamp billies do with all your hound dogs. This guy... He took a dog and he put him in a harness and he hooked up this contraption to where this tube dumped out in this dog's mouth. And he took a little bell and he hung it up next to the dog. And what he did is he'd ring that bell and then he'd push a button and that tube would dump meat powder in the dog's mouth. And of course, when you dump meat powder in a dog's mouth, he starts drooling. It's time to eat. It's biological 
thing. It just happens, you know. Uh, so he, he did that, and he would do that for a long time. You know, I don't know how long he did it. I don't know if it was over just a couple of minutes or hours or if it was even over days. I don't know any of that stuff. But what he found out is as he was doing this, he'd ring this bell and dump this powder in, and then he'd ring this bell and dump this powder in, ring this bell and dump this powder in, and that dog would drool every time that powder got in there. And then one time he didn't dump the powder in, he just rung the bell. And you know what happened? His mouth started watering. What had happened is that, it, and it, it, they teach that stuff in psychology class, you know, I, I guess they got something that they're trying to prove as far as you being an animal and so you can be conditioned. But anyways, oh, what he was basically doing was he, was he was teaching this dog every time that you hear that bell ring, you're fixing to get something to eat. And so that dog, but now you would say, you would say, well, that dog learned that every time that bell rung, he was getting something to eat, but he didn't learn. Because dogs are stupid. Dogs are not people. Dogs can be conditioned, though. They can be trained. Uh, some of you hunters sitting in here, old Brother Tommy, he's got him a bunch of hound dogs. And, man, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Brother Tommy will sit in his truck and beep that horn on his truck, and all them dogs will come pouring out of the woods. Oh, well, how do you do that? Well, I guess you put one of those little shock collars on every single one of them. You beat that horn, and if they don't come, you just light them up. Amen. And they'll figure out when that horn blows, you better get to the truck. It's time to go home. <laughs> but see, you're not teaching them anything. You're just conditioning them. You say, well, why? Why, why? why would you say you're not teaching them anything? Because verse 9, look at what it says. And this is something you already know, but it's sitting right here in the Bible. He said, be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no what? See, the difference between, this is one of the things. See, people talk about uh, animals or, or people are just the highest animal that, that's in existence. You're not an animal in any way, shape, or form. There's one thing, there, there's a lot of things that differentiate you between, between you and an animal. But one of the main things is that you have a brain that animals don't have. You have uh, a spirit, you have a soul in a way that an animal does not have. And attached to those functions, one of those things is you have the ability to understand. Every single one of you know that this is true. And this is the funniest thing ever. You can walk up to a dog and put your hand on his head and so, say, you're, so, you're, such a, you're such a stupid little dog. I hate your guts. I'm going to take you out in the backyard and shoot you. And that dog will just sit there and wag his tail. And <laughs> but if you take him out to the other side, let somebody else, good cop, bad cop, let somebody else come out and say, good dog, good dog. <laughs> Well, see, that dog's not listening to anything you're saying. That dog's listening to the tone of your voice. That's not learning. That's conditioning. And the reason that you have to condition an animal is because they don't have any understanding. They, they can't process things. Uh, you don't go to a dog and say, would you like pepperoni pizza today? Or would you like a tuna fish sandwich? No, you just take, you, you could take nasty stuff and put it in front of, and they'll just dive in. They don't have any understanding. They're driven. Listen to me. Listen to me real close. They're driven by a biological urge to stay alive. Huh? That there's no sense of understanding about what they're doing. There's no foresight. Take rat poison and set it in front of your dog. If it smells good and tastes good to them, they're going to eat it. They're not going to sit down and read a label. 
They're not going to look at this stuff and say, what's this green little block that's sitting in this black box? Why does somebody put this? They're going to chew the black box apart. I have a little dachshund that ate one of those little tomcat green things. and Stupid. I'm glad he didn't die because I kind of like him. Uh, I really, I, oh, Pete, I like him. Uh, but that's stupid, man. But they don't have no understanding. Well, you're not an animal. But you know what the truth is, is that I believe with all of my heart, a lot of Christians have never learned how to be Christians. They've been conditioned to be Christians. It's just, it's nothing more. Maybe it's not a biological response, but there's some kind of response that goes on when they hear this, Christians know that this is what they ought to do. I really am beginning to question. I really am beginning, and I say I'm beginning. I've questioned before, and I'm thinking about it again. I'm really questioning how much people are really listening when they come and sit into a church and they hear a preacher preach. A preacher will stand up and he'll say something, and folks sit in the pew and they know that that's the status quo of what the preacher has always preached, and they'll just say, Amen. But they don't visit an altar and their lives don't change. What's going on? Well, I think what's going on is they're being driven by bit and bridle. A preacher standing up. See, people talk about, I just don't, I can't stand a totalitarian preacher. I just can't stand a preacher who thinks he's in authority and blah, 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 blah. Okay, then why don't you start exercising your own mind? Why don't you start thinking about things instead of letting a preacher do all your thinking for you? How about you think? You say, well, I do think. Yeah, but all you, what you're thinking is wrong. Now, I'm, I'm shooting way across a bunch of things. I mean, I haven't named anything yet, but I'm preaching to you as though what you're dealing with is something that ain't quite right. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, folks are just conditioned. They're just conditioned. Folks have got this little biological thing to where it's just... Boy, I'm wondering why it was so hot in here. It's because the heat's on. That ain't right. Probably going to get a little hotter in here in just a second. Folks is not really thinking about what they're doing. They're just responding. Uh, he says, Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Uh, Brother Curtis has dealt with horses, and I think he's dealt with some mules. And I've never really had close encounters with horses and mules. I really don't trust a horse all that much. I'm, uh, Brother Curtis says you can trust a horse or a mule a little bit more. I'm a little skeptical. You say, why? They're a lot bigger than I am. And I'm scared of too many things that's too much bigger than me. About the biggest, bigger thing than me that I can deal with is people. Uh, but much other than that, I don't want to be near no giraffes and no elephants and no horses make me a little bit nervous. They're fun to look at. They're fun to watch. But I don't like to be around them. But you take that horse and you get a man sitting up on his back and he puts that little bit in his, in his mouth and that guy's got to grab that rein and he pulls it this way and that horse will turn this way and he'll pull it this way and that horse will turn that way or he'll grab both those things and just pull them right back and that horse will stop and if you ain't careful he'll be a rebel and sit down on you. That horse don't understand nothing. All that horse, listen to me, all that horse understands is pain. How would you like for me to put a, a bridle, a bitten bridle in your mouth, and I'll get behind you and yank on it one good time? 
I'll get you to do anything I want you to do. But you're not doing it out of intelligence. You're not doing it because you sat down and reasoned something out. You're doing it in response to, I want the pain to stop. Doesn't the Lord chastise His children? Well, how is it that when the Lord chastises His children, some folks will get right for a little while, and then it don't take them but maybe just a week longer, and then they're right back into the old same hog slop that they were in? You say, what's going on? The Lord's dealing with a mule. The Lord's dealing with somebody that's hard-headed and hard-hearted. Preachers stand up and say, you ought to be in church every time the door is open. Man, the funniest thing is that people who are laying out of church left and right will sit right in the pew and say, Amen, preacher! And they'll come for three services after that straight in a row and then lay out for the next six. You say, what's going on? They respond to a crack of the whip. You got your Bible open to Proverbs chapter 26? Look in verse 3. Look at what it says. Proverbs 26 verse 3. A whip for the horse a bridle for the ass, and a rod for the fool's back. You know why you put a rod on a fool's back? Because he can't learn nothing. Fools can't understand things. A fool is eaten up with folly. You know what folly is? That's weakness of intellect that is not highly criminal. It's not something that, like... You might go to jail for, or you might get sentenced in the penitentiary for, but folly is just something, man, that, that's stupid. Why do you keep doing that? Why? Why would you do that? It's folly. That's what a fool is eaten up with. And the only thing you can do with somebody like that is just pull a rod out and just beat them one way and beat them the other. And it's like, it's like taking an ox goad and goading an animal somewhere. So, Brother Nathan, you sound like you talk to people like they're animals sometimes. I don't like to do that. I, I hope it don't come across that way, but maybe what's going on is that you're acting like one. See, what happens is people, people sit in a church and a preacher will preach hard to them and come across to them, and they'll, you know, preach. What he's doing is he's cracking the whip, and they'll respond to that for a little while, and then they'll go right back on. Listen, I'm not talking about momentarily weaknesses of the flesh. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about no change. Revival take place and preachers stand up and preach for a week and boy, get really stirred up or maybe not stirred up, but anyways, look like you blend right in, but then you turn around and things are just not right. What's, you say, what's going on, Brother Nathan? I believe folks don't have understanding. And listen, that is not the way that you want to live. That is not the way that a man should want to live. You should, the, one of the main things that you should want in this life is to understand everything that God will let you understand. And there's a lot to understand. You should not, I, I, I'm really concerned. Man, I, I really am concerned. I'm concerned about the country. I'm concerned about churches. I'm concerned about Christians. People are very satisfied with letting somebody else tell them what to do. People are satisfied with that. Like somebody will tell you to do something, and without even batting an eye, folks will go, okay. Won't even ask any questions. Until you sit in a church and a preacher tells you to do something. Well, what do we got to do that for? How come you don't ask the politicians that? How come you don't ask Congress that? How come you don't ask your local sheriff's office that? Why is it that it's only here? You don't have any understanding, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that's what's going on.
Police officers say, buckle up your seatbelt. Buckle up, no problem. Somebody walk, drive out of the driveway and don't have their seatbelt. Police officer pull them over. Hey, you ought to buckle up your seatbelt. Why? Well, it'll keep, it'll keep, you might get in an accident. Well, I mean, I might get in an accident if I do buckle up. It'll keep you safe. Well, so you mean if I buckle up my seatbelt, I'm safe from, even if I get in an accident, nothing's going to happen? See, it don't, it don't make sense. But folks, the, the line is fed and folks are just repeated without any kind of consideration for that kind of stuff. They'll just, they'll just repeat it, which I'm not against somebody wearing a seatbelt. My wife makes my kids wear their seatbelt every time she gets in a car. It makes her feel better. I don't have no problem with that. I don't wear one <laughs> unless I want to, but I don't have no problem with my wife making our children wear a seatbelt. That's not even the point. The point is folks just eat right into that stuff. Hey, you should wear a mask. Okay. Why? Why should we wear a mask? Well, it'll keep you from getting COVID. Will it now? You mean I can smell the dump through my mask, but it's going to keep these COVID particles from coming through? You say, what's going on? People are willing to sacrifice their, their mindset, their thinking. They're willing to sacrifice. Listen to me. We're independent Baptists, but people are willing to sacrifice their independence to let somebody, to cast their brains in and let somebody else do their thinking for them because understanding is just not popular anymore. It's easier to just go along with what everybody is saying. Now, I've presented that to you in a negative manner, but I think what goes on in churches a lot of times is folks sit right in here and they're just going along with what everybody's saying. If a preacher will say one thing and they hear five people in the congregation say amen, they say amen too. But they ain't thought about what, what it really means. What they just said amen to, they ain't thought about what it means. If, if what they said amen to is true, they ain't thought about what that means at all. Because the truth is, is that when you say amen to something, if you go out and you keep living the way that you're living and contrary to what you said amen to, that's going to come back at the judgment and that's going to be your own condemnation. You should be in church every time the doors open. Amen, preacher. Stand at the judgment seat of Christ and the Lord's going to say, why didn't you go to church every time the doors open? Well, I just, I, and the Lord's going to say, you can't say that you didn't understand. You said amen to it. You can't say that you didn't agree. You said amen to it. I don't think people understand. People are just willing to just cash in. They're just willing to cash in their brains and let somebody else do their thinking for them. Uh, what a lot of Christians are doing is they're letting their pastor do their living for them. They're letting their pastor live their Christian life for them. Let him do, his, let him do my witnessing. Let him do my Bible reading. Let him do my praying. There's only one problem with that. When trouble strikes your house, there is no way that I can analyze the situation that you're in. Even if you tell me all the details you're able to tell me, there are things that you know that you're not going to tell me or any other preacher. Huh? There's things, there's things when chaos strikes in my life, there's things I don't want nobody to know except my God. 
But folks are just, they've gotten into this thing. We're just going to sit here and we're just comfortable and we're just going to let this ship roll on and everything's going to be like it's always been. But there's, there's going to tr come trouble one day and man, it's all going to get shook up. And then because you've been letting somebody else live your Christian life for you, you're not going to know what to do. And you're going to run down there to a preacher or you're going to run down there to your most favorite Christian and say, what should I do? And they're going to look at you and say, I don't know. You should have been growing in your understanding. You actually should have had an interest when the preacher was preaching. I'm just so tired. It's just so hot, which it is hot in here. I'm about to... I'm about to melt because I'm made of sugar. But it's, uh, it's just so hard. It's so hard to concentrate. I, I don't know of any one of you hunters that's ever went out to the hunting club and said it was just so hot I couldn't pay attention. Hmm? Brother Nathan, Brother Mike, he preaches too long. Man, can you believe he came in on a Sunday and preached an hour and a half? Said no hunter ever. <laughs> About hunting deer anyway. Huh? Maybe you should have took an interest. Maybe you should have disciplined yourself. Let me run a little rabbit trail and just say this right here. Paul told Timothy, he said, give yourself to reading. Now listen, some of you folks use the excuse... Well, I'm just a dumb country individual, man or woman, whoever you are. You use that excuse. You ain't going to ride that excuse your whole life. You can't. There, there's going to come a demand where you're going to have to improve yourself mentally. You're going to have to improve yourself and you walk with God. And the way that you do that is through reading. I just don't like to read. That's too bad. That's the only way you're going to really get to know God, reading and prayer, reading and prayer. Lots of reading and lots of prayer. Well, I'll just get to know God through all these preachers. Most preachers don't read. I'm not proud about that. That is aggravating to me. That bothers me, man. But most preachers don't read. So everything that you're learning is stuff that they had in a dream one night. I had a dream, and that supposedly come from God. You think I'm quoting Martin Luther King Jr. when I say something like that, but that didn't come from Martin Luther King Jr. That came from the false prophets in Jeremiah. The Lord told him, he said, these prophets, these prophets that have a dream, he said, let them tell their dreams. He said, but the prophet that will preach my word, let him preach my word faithfully. He said, what's the chaff to the wheat? The chaff is the trash. That's what you get rid of. God was calling all these prophets with all these dreams. He's calling it, it's just trash. What's the chaff to the wheat? The word of God. It ain't nothing. God ain't worried about that stuff. God ain't worried about that stuff at all. Just let them go. Folks are not learning. They're being conditioned. Say this, say amen when these people sing this song. I've been, I've been hitting this stuff on a regular basis. We come in here and we sing two songs and then we take up an offering. We sing a couple of specials. The preacher gets up and I don't have any intentions of changing that because I like it that way. And I'm the pastor, so I mean, I kind of have to make the decision. So I mean, you know, I... I just like it that way. I'm sorry if you don't pray for me and maybe God will, you know, somehow get that to me. I'll pick up your vibes and maybe we'll do something else, but I doubt it. Uh, but folks get into a habit and they've been conditioned. It's just conditioning. Well, this is just what we're going to do. 
We're going to have a revival in January. And then we're going to have Brother Mike back in September. And by the time January meeting's over, we're already looking for the revival in September. And by the time September's over, we're already looking for January. And it's just one big cycle. And that's all the expectation that folks have. They just get to a place where this is just one big circle. And we just got to ride the wave, baby. And folks' hearts ain't in religion, man. They're not dealing with God. They're not doing business with God. Listen, do you know a man that has understanding? There's one word that sets, sets apart a man that's deal, he's learned something. There's something that sets him apart from somebody who's just been conditioned to do a thing. One word. It's called conviction. Conviction. A guy who's got some understanding about what he's doing, he's doing it based on, hey, I believe that's the right thing to do, or I believe that's the wrong thing to do, and so I'm going to stay away from it. It's conviction. He's been convicted. He's convinced. This is the right way to go. This is what we're going to do. I told you on Sunday morning, Brother Mike, uh, some of his parting words this past revival was basically, hey, this, I, I find this place not too far from the way that I left it when I resigned this place. He said, I like it. And I told him, I said, hey, I said, if there's any deviation, it's not been intentional. And I told him this before I told him that. I, and I told you this on Sunday, and I'm going to tell you again because repetition's good for you. I told him, I said, brother, I said, when you were here, I said, you preached, and you preached a way that I saw from the Bible, and I believed it was the right way. And so I just stuck with it. If it's right, why deviate? not trying to blaze new path. I, hey, man, I'm willing to follow somebody. If you can show me from a Bible that this is the right way to go, I intend to go with it if it's the right way. Yeah. But I'm not going that way because Brother Mike's going that way. Yeah. I'm going that way because I've been convinced. Yeah. I got under conviction about that stuff. I've seen other ways to run a church. I've seen other ways that pastors have done things. Brother Nathan, why don't you do it that way? Because I'm convinced this way works. I'm convinced that if you run after people and worry about whether or not people's going to leave your church because you hurt their feelings, all you're going to do is build a church full of Christian babies. Yeah. And folks have either got to figure out, hey, it's time for us to grow up, or we'll just have to go find a carnal church where we feel comfortable at our current set of standards. Yeah. And that's what folks do. You say, Brother Nathan, does that bring you pleasure and joy? None at all. It bothers me. I hate it for them. But that's, the, that's between them and the Lord. Ain't it? Sure it is. Sure it is. Well, some folks, is, they just, it, it's got to be by conviction. Are you convinced? You should be in church. I'm going to use this illustration. You should be in church. And I know a lot of folks is out tonight. Some of them could be here. Some of them couldn't. But uh, you should be in church every time the doors open. You know why folks aren't here? They're not convinced it's right. All things considered, they're not convinced it's right. Some of y'all ain't touched your Bible this week. You know why you ain't touched it? You're not convinced it's the right thing to do. I stand up here and I'll preach and say, you should read your Bible every day. And I don't know of one of you that would disagree with me. And most of you will even sit there and say amen. But some of you that say amen are the very folks that haven't touched your Bible this week. And you got no plans on touching it later this week. You've been conditioned. You should pray. You should pray for each other. 
You should pray for folks that are lost. You should pray for your mama and your daddy. You should pray for this. You should pray for that. Amen. It's been six months since you even bowed your head to pray over anything other than your meal. Spend no time with God, not worried about nothing. You've been conditioned. You ain't learned nothing. You ain't learned nothing. You know, one of the most amazing verses in the Bible is that the Lord Jesus Christ learned obedience. He learned obedience by the things which he suffered. You haven't learned something until somebody's presented you a fact and then that thing's been challenged. Let me ask you something. Who does God have to obey? Answer is obvious. Nobody. So when the devil comes to talk to God about people, it's real easy for him to point his finger in God's face and say, what do you know about being obedient? You've never had to obey anybody. What's the Lord going to say to that? So he says, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll send my son down there and he'll be 100% me and 100% man. And he'll have to submit himself to somebody. God. I'm not God, but he'll have to submit himself to God. Now he knows something. Don't you think God knows all the commandments in the Old Testament? Don't you think God knows the law? I mean, he wrote it. He got a good memory, don't he? Well, Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. Don't you think he knew everything that was in that book? He had it all figured out, didn't he? Well, what's he know about obedience until he's tempted? All of a sudden, the devil comes by and say, If you're the Son of God, command these stones that they be made bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down from the pinnacle of the temple, for it is written, he's going to throw out Scripture now, he shall give his angels charge uh, over thee. They'll bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. It is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He learned, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. This is what you ought to do. And then here comes temptation. He, felt, he followed through with it. Now the Bible can say he learned it. That's wild, man. That's wild to say that the Son of God learned anything. But you understand it's not just an intellectual thing. It's putting something into practice. Let me ask you something. What have you learned? Well, the only way that we can really tell what you've learned is by looking at the measure of your obedience. You read your Bible? Oh, I know that, Brother Nathan. I know that's the right thing to do. Do you? I don't think you really do if you're not doing it. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says every man in the book of Judges, it says it several times, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. It doesn't say that he did what was wrong in his own eyes. Ain't that what every man does? Every man does that which is right. That's what people do. Hey, why are you drinking that beer? What's wrong with it? Ain't that right? 
There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You look at that thing and what he's doing. Oh, that's going to kill you. That's bad for you. But the man who's doing it, he's looking at it and saying, what's wrong with it? So all this stuff that you say you know is right, why don't you do it? You haven't really learned it. You haven't learned it because you don't got no understanding. You've been conditioned. That's right, preacher. See, people sit in a church and they think because they agree with what the preacher says, they fulfilled, their, they fulfilled their responsibility. But that's not the way that the Lord looks at it. Listen, when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, listen to me. When you get to the judgment seat of Christ, the question that the Lord is going to have for the individual that he purchased with his own blood, it's not me and you. I will not be judging you. I will be next to you being judged. I will be judged just like you. The question that the Lord will have for you is not, did you agree with the preacher? Did you make faces at him while he was preaching? Or did you sit there and go like this? That's not the question he's going to have. What he, the question that what's going to be examined is, what did you do? It's works. But I, I think, folks, it's just, it, I, I believe it's right over folks' heads. Yes, sir. Look over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Well, before we hit that, let's look in Jude. Look in, look in the book of Jude. I want you to get 2 Peter 2 in one hand and Jude in the other. Now, if you find Jude, you're in good shape because it's only got one chapter, so never fear. You're in the right place, and Jude is right before Revelation, so I think you can find where the book of Jude is. But look in Jude, and look in verse, oh, let, let's look in verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting ch chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Dignities, that's somebody that's up in rank, up in power. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. Now look at what he says in verse 10. He's talking about some folks at the beginning of the book. He says, But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as what? They're animals. They're like animals. They think like animals. They don't have any understanding. You know how they know things? They know them naturally. And that's the only way that they know them. Somebody walk up on church property and take their cigarette butts and throw it on the ground. Take their tobacco chaw and throw it out in the parking lot. You say, why? They're like brute beasts. All they do, all, the, all, they come to this property and the only thing they see is this is just one more building. Nothing holy about this place. 
See what I'm saying? <laughs> what they know, they know naturally. Well, here's some grass out here that needs to be cut, and here's some sand, and, you know, come inside, and boy, this is not a very good-looking building. They, can't, they don't have any spiritual perception. They come in, and they see a fellow standing up behind a pulpit, and they say, well, that's Uncle so-and-so, or that's my son, or that's my nephew. I got some family members. I got some family members that won't listen to anything that I've got to say as far as spiritual things are concerned because I'm just a cousin. I'm just a nephew. And that, six of one, half a dozen of the other, to me, I mean, that's between them and the Lord. But that's, you say, what is that? That's folks that just what they know, they know naturally. The Lord said, a prophet's not without honor, save in his own country. Preacher go around and start rubbing shoulders with the people that he's preaching to and get real and good, real, real good with them and, and get to be real good friends with them. And before you know it, the folks will come in and sit right on the church pew and look at that guy and say, oh, yeah, that's Nathan. It's not preacher. It's not pastor. It's not brother. It's just Nathan. I don't care what you call me. You, you, if you're older than me or my age, you call me Nathan all you want to. I don't care. I'm talking about the mentality. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, folks. Oh, Brother Nathan, he's going to get up there and he's going to tell a couple of jokes and make us laugh and we're just going to go through the motions and this is just, it'll be all over in an hour and a half if he's long-winded. What they know, they know naturally. As brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. What they know naturally. Here's a spiritual place. Got a nice little cushion right here. Got your little book sitting in your lap. Oh, that's a Bible. Ain't it a book? Black words on white paper? Hmm? In those things they corrupt themselves. Something that's supposed to be spiritual. But because of the individual who has no understanding in those things, they corrupt themselves. You know what corruption is, don't you? That's what happens when you take a body and bury it in the dirt. I hate to be so graphic. That's corruption. It begins to fall apart. It begins to decay. You don't brush your teeth. You get cavities. That's corruption. In those things, they corrupt themselves. Folks begin to look at a church as though, well, this is just a house of entertainment. This is a house of mirth. Might be a place to come and get a nap. I don't know. <laughs> That's the way some folks look at it. Look over in 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. Look in verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despised government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels which are greater in power and might bringing not railing accusation against them before the Lord. Boy, this sounds very similar to Jude, don't it? But these... Look at here. As natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. 
It's just, the, these are people that the only way they see things is just with the natural eyes. They walk up on a situation and the only thing they see is what they see with their eyes. That's all they perceive. Who are those people? Well, verse 10, it says it's presumptuous are they. You know what that is? That's unjustified excess boldness. That's assuming things. Well, I just think, well, I just believe, I've just been taught, okay, where's your evidence? Whatever it is that you believe, prove it. Hey, why, why do you think that? We're King James, Brother Nathan. Are you? Are you King James by understanding or are you King James by conditioning? Hey, listen, there's folks that are coming out of our circles left and right. I'm talking about kids, these guys' age, kids in their 20s. They're coming out of our circles left and right and trading in a King James Bible for something other than a King James Bible. And it don't, don't matter what it is. And you know why part of it is? Part of it's because they're getting messed up with this stupid recovering fundamentalist stuff. They like sissies for preachers. But anyways... I have a hard time listening to a preacher that sounds like he's got lace on his drawers. That just, that, something don't seem right about that. Amen. But uh, they come out of these circles, and mamas and daddies are looking at them and saying, well, that ain't King James. And they say, well, what's the big deal about that? And mom and daddy looking at them going, oh, oh, well, brother so-and-so said we ought to be King James. think you ought to be King James by understanding. Oh, no, that's the preacher's responsibility. No, sir, it's yours. It's yours. And if you ain't lifted a finger to maybe even consider that stuff, listen, God takes people through different phases of learning throughout their life about different things. I understand that. But listen, I'm not just talking about the King James issue. I'm talking about all kinds of stuff. I could name the issues, but when you take the attitude, the nonchalant attitude, oh, that's the preacher's responsibility. You're not a Christian by learning, by understanding. You're a Christian by conditioning. All you're doing is sitting there. You're a machine. People hate to be treated like a number. Huh? But that's exactly what the Social Security office treats you like. You don't, you, don't, you don't have a hard time with that, though, do you? <laughs> At least uh, when you start getting paid back by them. Uh, when you're paying in, I don't like being treated like a number. Mm. But people don't like to be treated by, like a number, but they don't have a problem just acting like one. Yeah. I'm here. Well, good for you. Now what? Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll just sit up here on the altar, and I'll stare at you, and you can stare at me. Big deal. What's that get accomplished? Good to be saved. Two or three people. Amen. The rest of everybody got drool coming out the side of their mouth. It's just conditioning. Oh, okay, okay. And it makes you mad. It makes people mad in a church when, when a preacher talks to them like, hey, you better snap it up in line. But folks are not sitting at home, Brother Clint. Folks are not sitting at home with an open Bible and saying, God, why is this preacher being so mean to me? Show me, Lord. Help me to see it. Because I know if they'd open up a Bible, God would talk to them rougher. There's a lot of times I'd really like to talk to folks a lot rougher than I do to, from the pulpit. 
Uh, but there's a lot of reasons I don't. Some of it might be my own conscience. Some of it might be I can't think of the words without cussing. There's all kinds of stuff going on in this little pea brain. I don't have a very big vocabulary. I try to read and increase it. Oh, this preacher, he does so mean. You ain't dealing with God. I know that. You know what concerns me, Brother Curtis? You know what really worries me about folks in this church? What worries me about folks in this church is that folks get to a place where they're more concerned about pleasing me than they are God. That, that scares me to death. Because once we get a church where all people are concerned about is making Brother Nathan happy, this church is a goner. Because what happens if I go out and get in a car wreck? Now people are lost. What do we do now? They've been conditioned. They've been conditioned. These preachers get around and they build up these churches and they build up these churches and they build up these churches and then they turn around and they turn it over to somebody else and the whole thing falls apart and the preacher's sitting there. What happened? I know of a church right now in New England. I won't tell you the state, but it's in New England. That's north, just in case you was wondering. I know some of y'all probably ain't never been out of Georgia, but I know of a church in New England right now. The pastor left, called in another church, and here came in the swarm of contemporary Christian music. They got rid of the pulpit, got in the purple lights. The pastor that came in doesn't wear a tie. All them bad people. Well, yeah, it is them bad people. But I think maybe, I don't know, I wasn't there, but maybe what was going on was that preacher was just telling folks, and I don't know this, this may not be true at all, but maybe what was going on was that preacher was teaching folks, hey, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And when people was asking why, or maybe it was not that the people were even asking why, maybe the folks were just saying, okay, 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 and never going home and opening their Bible and saying, God, what about this? I'm not talking about coming and finding a preacher and being controversial with him every time he says something that you don't like or agree with. If a preacher never says anything that you don't disagree with, he ain't doing his job. Huh? That's a fact. Whether you agree with that or not makes no difference to me. See? It's my job to say something that you disagree with as long as it's true. My responsibility is to find the things that are true, but they're the things that you disagree with and to say those things. I'm not going to come take a machete and chop your head off or shoot you with a 45 if you don't agree with me, but I got a responsibility to say them. Listen, if I keep saying things that you already agree with, how is that going to help you? Yeah. I got to find the things. I got to pray and ask God, show me the things that Dylan don't agree with me, don't agree with the Bible about, not with me. Don't agree with the Bible about God help me to preach on those things. Yeah. And then preach it and let God deal with folks as he will. Harden your heart against that stuff. God might knock a knot on your head. He might leave you alone, which would be worse. Folks are just being conditioned. That's all that's going on. Now go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Well, I'm not going to reach my four-hour mark, I guess. 1 Corinthians, I said chapter 3. Let's look in chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You know what happens to people that are conditioned? They don't have any understanding. They've just been conditioned. You know what's true about folks like that? They don't have any confidence. 
I told you 1 Corinthians 2. I just thought of a verse. Roll with me over to Colossians right quick. Look in Colossians chapter 2 and look in verse 1. I read this today in my daily Bible reading. Man, this really struck me. I had it, I had it the phrase already underlined, but I guess I forgot that this was in here. Man, it really helped me. Colossians 2, look in verse 1. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding. You know what comes with understanding? Assurance. How many of you asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save your soul, wash away your sins? Did he do that? Okay. Now, the day that you got saved, the day that you got saved, you understood that that took place, so forth and so on. But maybe a preacher stood up and preached the message and told you how that all came to be. And the preacher stands up, and it don't, it's not just something that takes place in the past. Every time a preacher stands up and begins to explain that stuff, how is it that God can wash away the sins of unworthy sinful creatures by the blood of his dear son and begin to explain those things? You begin to get the understanding, and you know what it produces in your heart? Assurance. You know what another word for assurance is? It's confidence. But you take a guy that sits in the church or a woman that sits in the church and they just say, Amen, because everybody else is saying, Amen. Let the temptation come. Let the trouble come. Let the challenge come. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to sit there and say, I don't know if this is really the right thing to do. Is that really what he said? I, I can't remember. Uh, that's what James is talking about in James chapter 1 when he says, an, uh, he says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It's true. It's true. What they know, they know naturally. Everybody else is saying amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians. Uh, let me just say this, and now I'm going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, don't you worry about somebody accusing you of being too intellectual as a Christian. I hear some preachers, they kind of almost degrade somebody. If, and I'll be honest, I've preached before, I've preached right here before, and seen some wheels turning on people's faces, and at first, man, it kind of upsets you. Why ain't they saying amen? And then you get done preaching and you walk away and think, well, maybe they're thinking. And if they're thinking, man, to God be the glory. Amen. I'm going to say this, and this is going to hurt my own feelings. I'd rather you not say amen to something that you're not sure about. I want to hear people say amen, Brother Chris. I want people to agree with what I'm saying. I know it's true. <laughs> so I want people to say amen. But if I say something and you're not convinced, I'd rather you sit there and chew on it. I'd really rather you take it home and say, what about that? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. The stuff that helps people is not usually the stuff that they say amen to. Of course, it could help you if you would say amen and you know it's right yeah. and you are doing it. Yeah. That could help you too. Yeah. <clears throat> but the stuff that's really getting people is the stuff that they sit there and go, hmm. 
What about that? I know many a time I sat, they're moved now, but there used to be two chairs over here and two chairs over there, and that ball-headed short country preacher used to stand right up there, and he'd preach things, and I'd sit there and go, ooh, wouldn't say nothing. Think about it for 10 seconds and then maybe let out a, yeah, you're right. <laughs> that's the stuff that went home with me. Yeah, that's good. I don't want to just be a Christian because Brother Mike's a Christian. I don't want to be a Christian because I'm a pastor and I got to fulfill a role. I want to be a Christian because I believe this is the right way to be. You're going to have to get to that place one day, buddy. You boys are going to have to get to that place. You boys, you girls are going to have to get to that place. Otherwise, all it's going to be is just going through the motions and mama said this and daddy said this. At some point, it's going to have to be your religion. It'll have to be yours. It'll have to be your son. And if not, this thing will just die out. This church will fold up and it'll go somewhere else. People just go to the four winds. Or what it'll do is it'll be a bunch of hard-headed, independent Baptists sitting here, amen, and going out to the clubs on Friday and Saturday night, drinking booze with the deacons. Drinking booze is wrong, by the way. You did know that, didn't you? Just in case you was wondering. Yes, sir, it ain't right. It ain't right. I just got to have something to help me unwind. Change your life. Change your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let me read this. Verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are what unto him? They're foolishness. You know why? Because they're like brute beasts. What they know, they know naturally. Oh, this is so ridiculous. This guy's been preaching for 45 minutes. I don't know how long I've been preaching, but this guy's been preaching for 45 minutes, and there's no sign of him letting up. This is stupid. I know that's because you have no understanding. And I'm going to do my best to quit worrying about you. I'm going to do my best to quit worrying about the fact that you want to get out at a certain time. What's wrong with some of you, man? Let me just ask you and be straight with you. What's wrong with some of you? What did you come to church for anyway? Well, Brother Nathan, we got things to do. Yeah, I know. You got you worried about things you got to do tomorrow. What about the things you got to do tonight? Yeah. Like get a word from God. Yeah. Yeah. Since when did your job become more important than you hearing from the Lord? Again, I ask you, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with your attitude? Things just ain't been the same. Boy, people been singing the same. Of course, y'all have sounded kind of puny the last two services. I don't know what that's all about. Maybe it's just me. I don't think so, but maybe it is. But folks in this church band sing to the top, but there's something missing. There's an edge that's gone. It just, it just going through the motions. We're just going to go right along. We're just going to go right along. And listen, there ain't nothing that you can do. There ain't nothing that you can do to get that edge back other than get real with the Lord. Get right with God. Quit being in such a hurry when you come to church. Well, I really got things to do. Then I tell you what, let me know before the church service. And I was going to say I won't think you backslid, but I might think you backslid anyway. Of course, what you should really be worried about is whether or not God knows you backslid. 
I know folks really genuinely at times have things that they got to take care of after the service. I know some of these fellas get up early, but why don't you go to bed earlier on some other time? Take a nap. Right. Yeah. Brother Clint, some folks come in on Sunday morning and they sit right here in the church pews and they look like they're getting ready to fall asleep in Sunday morning service. 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. What's wrong with you? Go to bed earlier. Brother Nathan, I go to bed at 7 o'clock. Then start running a mile every morning. Huh? <laughs> Brother Matthew asked me, he said, you want to start running with me in the morning? I tried to think of every excuse to tell him no. Uh, I need to, but I, uh, boy, I don't enjoy that. I still ain't bought my shoes yet, neither. Hmm? What they know, they know naturally. Yes, sir. Their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Sp carnal man come and sit in a building, and the only thing he can see is, well, this is not very exciting. This is not very fun. This is just, here we go again. Well, see, the problem's not here. The problem's not with the folks that are here. The problem's with your perception. Something ain't registering. What's going on is you've been conditioned. You ain't learned much. You've been conditioned. I believe it's possible. I believe it's possible for somebody to learn a thing and then slip right over into that just conditioning. Just. You know what they say in the fitness culture? You know what conditioning is? It has to deal with endurance. If you want to condition yourself, that's, you know, being able to run a long ways without wearing out. That's basically what condition, conditioning is. A lot of Christians have been conditioned. They come to church and they feel like it's just a marathon. Oh, if I can just endure it five more minutes. If I can just put up with it 15 more minutes, he'll be done and I'll go home and I'll sit on my big easy boy recliner and I'll get to watch Yellowstone or... just a little bit longer. Yeah, and you're going to go home and you're going to be dead just like you've always been and you're going to come back on Sunday and the services is going to keep being dead because you're not going home and getting on your face before God and saying, now God, what about this? Yeah. Lord, I'm just going through the motions. Maybe you're reading your Bible, maybe you're not. I said, maybe you're reading your Bible, maybe you're not. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. Maybe you're praying, maybe you're not. But all it is is just one, two, three, repeat after me. Hail Mary, full of grapes, blessed be the fruit of the loom. Hmm? That's all the stuff is that's going on. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, take, whatever. See, I don't even have it memorized myself. I don't pray that way. It's up to you. Hey, listen, let me just tell you something here this evening. I'm not going to give an invitation. Uh, actually, I will. I am going to give an invitation just to make it longer. Uh, some of you really need to do business with God, whether you do it here. Listen, really, whether you do business with the Lord here, whether you do it in your seat, you really need to do some business with God. And you need to get out of this form of religion that you have. That's all some of you've got. It's just a form. And it's just as hollow. 
just as hollow. Brother Nathan, we just came through revival meeting. Is this really necessary? I don't know. You tell me. I believe it was one of the best meetings we've had in a long time, but I'm not sure folks really did what they needed to do. I'm not sure folks really responded. Oh, Brother Mike, he's really funny, ain't he? He is funny. He'll rip your face off, but he is funny. But is that all you got out of the meeting? Is that all that you did? Just saw an old-time friend, huh? Boy, he was a pastor. Boy, we really love him. Did you get anything from God? Was you looking for anything from God? Or was you just looking for an old family reunion? Hmm? Boy, we had some friends coming. Boy, we sure, sure was good to see them. Now, let's get back to the real world. No, man, this is the real world. Listen, there's coming a day to where some of you folks are going to wake up and all that exists is eternity. That's all that there's going to be. Everything that you know right now, it's going to be taken away. Your mama and your daddy, your sisters, your brothers, your family members, your job, it's all going to be gone. Every opportunity that you squandered to actually dedicate yourself and consecrate. I didn't say give a portion of yourself. I said give it all. Give it all to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that gave it all to you. All of those opportunities are going to be long gone. And you're going to be sitting somewhere in the corner of heaven saying, why didn't I do more? Why? Why did I just go through and act like my job was the most important thing in my life. Why did I go through and act like my family was the most important thing in life? It is important. It's not the most important thing, though. Very important, just not the most important. There's going to come a day, listen, some of you don't realize, some of you don't realize there's coming a day to where it's all going to be gone. And all you're going to be left with is what you did for Jesus Christ. And some of you are going to be left with nothing. And see, now I'm saying that, and some of you have heard that so much from a preacher's mouth. You're sitting there and already thinking about, when's he going to close this service and we're going to go home? Hey, man, you're in trouble. Your heart's hard. It's hard. It's time to break up the fallow ground. It's time to break it up. It's time to pull out the rototiller and start busting it up and saying, Now, God, help me. I don't want to just be a Christian here on Sunday for an hour and a half. I want to be a Christian my whole life. I want to go home, and I want this to be real to my kids. I want to go home, and I want this to be real down at my job. It's on you, man. It's up to you. It's up to you. Let me say it that way. Father, Lord, I pray, God, that you help us tonight. I pray that you'd bless this little invitation. God, I pray you'd help us, Lord, tonight. God, I pray that you'd make things real clear. Lord, I Lord did my best. God took my time. Lord, tried to explain things, Lord, as I felt, Lord, that you wanted me to explain them. And, Lord, I trust you, God, to do the work, Lord, that only you can do. Lord, you're the one, Lord, that produces the conviction. You're the one that deals with people's hearts. Lord, I thank you for that. God, I thank you, Lord, that you do deal with my heart. I thank you that you do deal with folks' hearts. God, we pray, Lord, that you'd have your will and way in this invitation. God, deal with us. Help us, God. Lord, we're unworthy people. God, Lord, that myself included and especially. Lord, unworthy people, thank you for your grace. God, help us to break up our cold, hard hearts, Lord. And God, help us, Lord, to draw close to you. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Some folks around the altar tonight, I encourage you to do business with God, whether it's here or there where you sit. Do business with God. Pray for an understanding. Start asking God, Lord, Lord, show me. Why do I do? Why am I supposed to be doing all this stuff that I'm being told what to do? 
Start looking for an understanding. Start looking for it to be real with you. If you don't do that, it's not going to be very long. You're not going to be here. You're not going to be sitting on a church pew no more. You'll be out drinking a beer. You'll be out running around doing something else. Let it be real. Ask God to make it real to you. Amen.